Thanksgiving is coming upon us, and that means the holiday season is coming upon us, and that means, well, it's uh, means it's one of my favorite times of the year, duh. That's right, we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and the holidays because now it's time to focus on things to be thankful for. As this crazy year starts rolling into its end, which is which is crazy enough to say. So Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for, important things of that nature. We're still going to touch up on the news. Unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with uh, sexual misconduct and such. But all this is coming up and more. Get ready. It's Monday, November 20th, 2017, and ladies and gentlemen, this Thursday is Thanksgiving, this Friday is Black Friday, and then the holiday season. Look, see, I'm not even going to say Christmas and shove all this Christy stuff in your face. Then the holiday season will be upon us. It'll be time to rock and roll into Christmas. The Christmas lights are coming out as I as I speak. I I I I even I have a confession to make. I even started listening to Christmas music. Now, mind you, mind you, hold on, stop. Don't uh, get to get off your high horse and your soapbox. I know what I say about Christmas music. I know I say it should never be played before Thanksgiving. But the Christmas music that I listen to, especially starting off the season, a lot of times is instrumental stuff or orchestrated stuff. And in this case, it's literally only been listening to like Good King Wenceslas. And 90% of people don't even know that that's a Christmas song. So there, I kind of I kind of win. I kind of come back into the light and the fold from that because it's not your typical Christmas song now or your songs. Now, uh I have been loading up my Apple Music. I've been, you know, finding my Frank Sinatra. He's my go-to for Christmas. So is most of the Rat Pack. Uh Elvis Presley, yeah, throw in a little Elvis Presley. Chicago's Christmas album which is still, to this day, probably hands down my favorite Christmas album. Uh, Mannheim Steamroller. Duh. And what's the other one I'm always thinking of? Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Because it's amazing. And then you sprinkle it in with all the classics. You sprinkle it in with um, with uh, Bing Crosby. For instance, Do You Hear What I Hear? But nobody sings Do You Hear What I Hear better than Bing Crosby does, okay? And nobody sings Baby It's Cold Outside better than Dean Martin, who, if he was singing it today, considering the current political environment, probably would be outcast and his whole career ruined. But we'll get to that later. We'll get to more of that stuff 
a little bit later. How's every? I hope everybody's week this past week has been all right. Um, last week for me, I worked three, three doubles in a row. I I ended up not getting frozen, so I picked up the three doubles on uh, on the eight to four shift, which was exceedingly overwhelming and overworking, and and it it sucked. But you know what's not going to suck? The paycheck. Two weeks from now. That's not going to suck. It's going to look fantastic. And I got froze last night into this morning. So I just, you know, I just woke up from a couple hours of a nap. I'm feeling okay. It wasn't the end of the world. And and honestly, at the end of this week anyway, vacation starts and a a 20-hour trek to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the winds come sweeping down the plain. Which, by the way, if you ever go to Oklahoma, they love it if you sing that song. It's like They act as if they've never heard it sung before. So I highly encourage you, if you're going to Oklahoma, passing through Oklahoma, whatever, just start singing Oklahoma and walk up to everybody that you see and say, hey, how are you doing today? And if they say, eh, I guess I'm okay. You should be like, well, I thought you were doing fine because you're doing fine, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, okay. They they love it. They they go nuts for that. I highly recommend doing that. So why Oklahoma? Well, my wife's grandparents live out there, and Oklahoma, contrary to popular belief, uh, is a nice, just, it's a nice secluded, you know, farmy type of area. You go there, it's all small towns, and... It's not the hustle and bustle of everywhere else. It's it's just nice and relaxing. And her grandparents' house sit on a hill and looks over a, a freaking lake, which is kind of like out of a movie scene. So that's hard to beat as well. It has better views, okay? I get the downsides of Oklahoma. It's tornadoes and being, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, farmland as far as the eye can see so tornadoes aren't cool the farmland it, you know it's cool that's cool it's fine but it'll be it'll be relaxing and one of the things we're gonna do is I forget where it is I forget where it is and I feel like a putz because I don't remember that but we're going for a couple of days to an area it's not in Oklahoma, I know that, because we're going to be going from her grandparents' house to a hotel for like a two-day stay or whatever. But the town that we're going to is is famed for becoming like, you know, Christmas Town, USA, practically. They deck out everything in decorations, and they have lots of activities and stuff going on. So that'll be cool. And <clears throat> that, that'll probably entail some videos or something, possibly. And because vacation's coming up, let's discuss it now. Vacation's coming up. Two solid weeks of me not doing FritzCast audio podcasts. So those of you who are dedicated listeners, just take that as a break. Take that as like a little Christmas gift. We're, we're, we're taking off some time. We're going to decompress. We're going to vent. We're going to woosah the crap out of our minds because there's been a lot of crap going on. If you know what I mean. So a lot of last week was working my butt off and making preparations for vacation later this week. 
But that hasn't been everything. For instance, last night, if you're a football watcher, I told you weeks ago that you should get used to hearing this and you should still get used to hearing this because now the Eagles are 9-1 and after creaming the Cowboys. That's right, we're going to play it again on 35 glorious seconds of it. Or a touchdown, one, two, one, two, three. Hit them low, hit them high, and watch our eagles fly. Fly, eagles fly, on the road to victory. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! You know, this, uh, you know, you never say, this is the year, you never say it. Because... It's literally, it's been 10 games, there's 6 more games to go. You never say this is the year. However, I will say this. 9-1, and one, top of the NFL, top of the NFC, top of the NFC East. Carson Wentz, MVP candidate for this year, the leading MVP candidate for this year. Oh my God. If this isn't the year then the Eagles don't have that much more to go before it is the year. My God, Carson Wentz is just a freaking genius. He plays his heart out. This team has the greatest camaraderie and unity that I have seen in an NFL team in quite some time. And us fans, we're just rabid. We just want it. It's always been just one before we die, and... It's looking like some of the core members of that possibility of getting one before we die is on the team right now. And hopefully, many more. In fact, you know what? Everybody's been asking me, hey, what do you want for Christmas? You know what I want for Christmas? You know what I want? An Eagles Super Bowl. Because it would piss off everybody else. And it would be so freaking sweet. I would I would brave going to Philly to to witness that epic historic Super Bowl parade. I would. It's going to be such a bittersweet moment whenever that time shall come. But it's hard to argue with, man. The Eagles have been so fun to watch this year. Carson Wentz has been so fun to watch. And some of it has been through, you know, teeth-clenching and mind-numbing frustration at times. But the Eagles just know how to grind out a win. They just know how to grind out a win. That was that was last night's Sunday night football game. And they crushed Dallas 37-9. to Dallas could only score three puny field goals. And the Eagles did that, mind you, with Jake Elliott, star kicker, going out of the game and not being able to return, the Eagles had no kicker. All right? They had no kicker. They didn't kick any extra points or field goals. Well, they they kicked one extra point because the field the Jake Elliott was still in. And then he goes on a play to tackle somebody on a kickoff return and injures his head and is out for the game and they don't have a kicker. They had to peg special teams player uh, number 54, I forget his last name. They had him kicking off the 
the the uh, the kickoffs. But they 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 went for two point conversions for the rest of the game, and they score they they got like three out of four two point conversions, which is damn near impossible. Damn near impossible, and the Eagles did it. Truly, just truly amazing, amazing game. That was yesterday, and then over the course of the weekend too, I picked up uh, EA Battlefront Two, Star Wars Battlefront Two, a game that was catching a lot of flack towards uh, leading up towards its release date. And one of the things I want to explain about this, this was true highlight of consumer power. Okay, so EA, EA Games is one of the huge empires of the video gaming world much to the the bane of many a fans opinion EA is powerful EA is big EA is responsible for all those sports games that you see Madden comes out every year it's EA uh and NHL the hockey they have a game every year it's EA EA does a plethora of other games EA catches a lot of flack because it's a head honcho. It bought out a lot of old video game companies and developers and took over the market. One of the things people don't like about EA is microtransactions. For those of you who don't speak the nerd and understand what we mean by microtransactions, think about video games right now. Video games, if you didn't know, cost roughly you know $60, $59.99 for a brand new video game. That's a... some people might look at that and go, 60 bucks for a video game, that's kind of steep. That's for like a, a just your basic run-of-the-mill video game coming out. There's special editions that bump it up another $10, $15. They're expensive. You go buy a video game for 60 bucks. most of them have this thing called a season pass, which costs like $29.99 you know, or $39.99, an extra 40 bucks on top of the 60 bucks you just spent. And the season pass is all the download content that they're going to release for that game to expand it after it comes out. See, these are all things that never existed back in the early 2000s. You bought a video game and you had the full video game in your hand and you bought it for like 49.99. Well, now they're 60. They try to throw out these season pass things. And then there's microtransactions. Microtransactions meaning like you just bought a $60 game, but you're going to spend Five ninety nine in real life money to get this stuff unlocked. You're gonna spend seven ninety nine in real money to get this stuff unlocked. Microtransactions. It's it's more money that you spend on a game after you buy it. I think microtransactions are ridiculous, and I've never ever bought anything to enhance a video game in that vein. I have bought season passes before for video games, which is a little ridiculous, but sometimes if you hold out, you can find these deals and get them at cheaper rates, what have you. <clears throat> EA, Electronic Arts, was catching a lot of flack for Battlefront 2 because they had what many critics were calling a pay-to-win system of if you paid more money on top of the money that you paid for the game, that you could unlock things faster and have fast track to becoming one of the elite players of the game. Well, the EA community or the community, the gaming community, 
flocked to Reddit. That's a forum website. And a big flack broke out about that to the degree that EA replied about their microtransactions on the forums and received one of the most downvoted comments in in history. Like, the, the, the most downvotes in the shortest amount of time for it. EA was catching a lot of flack and facing a lot of uh, potential loss of sales for this video game because of their microtransactions and their progression system, all that jazz. EA came out, said they were suspending microtransactions, albeit temporarily, and whether they decide to actually bring them back or not remains to be seen because it was such a controversial issue. They turn off their microtransactions, they retool their in-game credit earnings to unlock certain things. And uh, so, but either way, I got the game. I'm a Star Wars nerd, and I love Battlefront. I love the original Battlefronts from yesteryear on the PlayStation 2. Last year's Battlefront, the return of it, I thought was okay. Um, It definitely wasn't a stellar game by any stretch of the imagination. It was fun for a little bit. Uh, And so over the weekend, I had Battlefront 2, and I've been playing that. And so far, I have... Little complaints. I find a lot of people hating on the game for the microtransaction stuff and for people who just don't know how to play video games or aren't good at it, wondering why they don't get everything that they want. Uh, I think it's a solid-built game. It's fun to play. It's addictive. Is the progression system a little steep for like earning in-game credits to unlock things like heroes that stand out in the game? Yeah, a little steep. That could be tweaked. But other than that... There's nothing really to complain about. It's a beautiful-looking game. It plays really good. It's really fun. I didn't understand all the flack. But I had to get that out of my system because it was there. Had to get it out of my system because it was there. EA EA Games. Thanks to Consumer Backlash, though. This was, this is a good highlight example. You know, why, Hey, Fritz, why are you such a limited government guy? Why are you saying that the market should decide things? Well, EA says that they were going to put a bunch of microtransactions in a game. The numbers rolled back ridiculously. The fans vocally stated, we think that's dumb. We're not going to do that. You suck. And EA had to be on their toes and go, oh, crap. And they they turned it off. Even them turning it off for a temporary, temporary time, which they didn't define how long they would turn it off for. And they didn't specify when they would turn it back on, if they would definitely 100% turn it back on. They were on their toes. The consumers had them by the balls, so to speak. And EA had to cave because, you know what? The consumer base, you have to satisfy your consumers. It was a beautiful highlighted example of the power that people have over the big business industry. If you look at it. If you really do look at it. Because at the end of the day... Everybody talks about big, powerful, big business. Well, it's not that powerful when the consumers band together and say X, Y, or Z. We're not gonna, we're not gonna tolerate this anymore. What would have happened if EA didn't cave and turn them off and kept them on? Their sales might have tanked, and then next go around, they probably wouldn't have done or would have had to adjust what they did. 
unless everybody just jumped on board and spent the money, then the status quo remains the same. It's it's a really good, I think it's a really good highlight of the balances of consumer power, big business desire, and controllability. I, I think it was an excellent highlight of it. If you want to read more on it, just search EA Battlefront 2 Controversy. If you Google that, you will get stories about a little more in-depth about what was going on with that situation. Now, uh, in going over the news from the last week, we had... It goes back to the sexual allegations thing, man. It goes right back to that, and what happens is like a tit-for-tat, back and forth, left and right. The pendulum swings, you know, again and again and again. Roy Moore is under condemnation for allegations made against him back when he was in his 30-somethings dating teenagers. You know, and at face value, him dating teenagers isn't necessarily a, quote, disgusting thing. Especially when we take into consideration the 1970s life in the South a couple other factors in that, and the fact that a lot of those times it seems that he got permission from the mothers, so, or from the parents, so he actually, like, you know, went and talked to these people. And there's there's an interesting balance there because Jerry Seinfeld, there's a picture circulating around of Jerry Seinfeld back when he was in his 30s and he had a, a 17-year-old girlfriend, and there there doesn't seem to be too much flack going his way at that time for it or now. But Roy Moore is still under the uh, still under the crosshairs in a very very big debate right now, and uh, it's brought up a lot of uh, interesting points and all that. But what 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 emerged? What what emerged from the other side? What did the Republicans pull out of their sleeve? They pulled out a picture of comedy funny man Al Franken. Who I mean, let's face it, Al Franken number one isn't that funny. He's not that funny. They have a picture of him back on a, I believe it was a USO tour during the Afghanistan or Iraq war, one of, one of the two. And it's pictures of him with one of the celebrities he was with. She was wearing a flak jacket. She was asleep on a plane. And it's him groping her breasts and having that sly look of, oh, on his face. Like, aha, look at what I'm getting away with. And it, it stirred up a bunch. Of, it stirred the pot. It stirs the pot. That's what happens. Oh, they got Roy Moore. Oh, look at you high and mighty Democrats. We have this picture of Al Franken trying to be funny and not working. Al Franken, of course, had to come out. This is the standard practice. This is standard media nowadays. Picture emerges from the past. Guy has to come out. I publicly apologize. My behavior is unacceptable. Blah, blah, blah. So Franken had that against him, and also, uh, I believe it was a scene that he was rehearsing, a funny scene that was supposed to involve uh, kissing, and he, you know, tried to force the actress into kissing and all that. You know, again, more allegations, more stuff. So now, you know, does Al Franken have to step down? You know, I don't know if Al Franken has to step down. I don't know. It's a very big, confusing world going on right now with this uh, sexual allegation stuff. The, the, the biggest... The biggest point, and I, th- and I hope 
I drove it home last week when I talked about it. But the biggest point is how much power do allegations have? Like in the case of Al Franken, Al Franken, we have this picture posted. We have this picture that we can go to and look at and go, look, this is Al Franken, you know, trying to be funny, but in reality he's being, you know, a sleazeball. You know, we have a picture of that. We have evidence of that. Now, is anything going to happen to Franken? No. The, in fact, the, the, the lady involved simply stated that all she wanted was an apology from him and has accepted the apology and life has moved on from that, despite the fact that it still remains a focus and now Al Franken's political career is up in the air because of it. Same way that Roy Moore's political career is up in the air for him dating youngins, which probably isn't the best practice. Let's face it. It actually creeps me out. The fact that you had Roy Moore as a 30-something, you know, talking to 15, 16, 17-year-old, 17-year-old girls. Very, very, just red flags abound for all that. And he's admitted, mind you, Roy Moore has admitted to dating younger women. So it's it's clear that he had no issues back in the heyday being that 30-something, dating the 17-year-old chick. I mean, in terms of legality, is there anything wrong with it? I guess legally, no. Maybe morally it's questionable. It most definitely is as those women get younger, especially in like the 14-year-old range. Like, no, now you're just a perverted, you know, pedophile. That type of business. But, see, Al Franken, we have pictures. Roy Moore, we have allegations. And also we're on the, we're we're on this territory now where, you know, what what's the best course of action for Roy Moore? If I was in charge of the Republican Party down there, or if I was char- if I was if I was on Roy Moore's campaign, let's face it, if this broke out and I didn't know about it, this is the part where I say, "Okay, well, you know what? It's been fun, but I'm out." I would cut my ties and say, "You need to not run because this A is really bad and B looks really bad and it takes the party down a notch because if you're having the party trying to defend you over these o- over these allegations one of which you admit to like in the youngins that is problematic but the it's this we right now we're in the allegation world and I've 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 said this all the time. I've said it time and again. And talking about it, you have to be very. It's a sensitive subject to talk about. But in terms of allegations, women, men, it doesn't matter. Anybody coming forward with allegations of sexual assault, abuse, and most definitely rape. If somebody's coming up with allegations against the person for that, they have the right to be heard. They have a right to make their case. They have a right to present that and be and be heard. I don't like for well, this is where the wordplay becomes a delicate balance. Um I believe they have the right to be heard, uh the right to be taken seriously, but as far as 
believed. Is that not like part of the checks and balances of the criminal justice system that we have that you can make the allegations, but condemnation and punishment aren't going to come until it goes before a court of law and the evidence is presented and we have sentencing, like that type of thing. Mind you, when it comes to the sexual stuff, that's hard. We've bred an environment up until now of not taking sexual allegations seriously, uh, victim blaming, victim shaming. I'm not going to sit here and try to say that the environment that's been created is the best one, because it's not. Number one. Uh, number two, that being said, even if the environment, like the environment needs to, the, the culture needs to be curbed. Hence why a couple episodes when the Harvey Weinstein thing broke out, that the title of that episode was Curbing the Culture, where I stated and pontificated about how, how can we change the culture so that women who face and suffer through some of these things, both horrific and terrible and even not so horrific and terrible, have this environment where they can be comfortable about coming out about it, where they don't have to sit there and feel like, I got to bottle this up, I can't talk about it, I can't go forward with something because I won't be listened to, I'll be shamed, nobody's going to do anything anyway. Like, how do we curb that? And, you know, some of it, some of it maybe you can't curb. You can't curb somebody who becomes a victim. You can't take away the feeling of them being a victim. That's impossible. That comes with that person on individual cases and how they want to forgive and move on from those incidents. So that is, is one sense of things going on with this conversation. One, one of the other things is the, the fact that this definitely has brought out uh, a less desirable human trait that... I guess secretly everybody kind of carries, to, to, to some degree at least anyway, this innate desire to destroy somebody. Um, for instance, Al Franken's little bit. I don't think, and mind you, I don't like Al Franken. There's a lot I can pull out for you. A lot of political stances, a lot of quotes, a lot of philosophies of Al Franken that I do not like at all. That being said, I might not like Al Franken. I don't think that this 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 picture or the other allegation. I don't think that that should, because I, I the other thing I don't know how old they were in the spectrum of things too. I don't think that that should necessarily destroy the man. Now some people say you know you reap what you sow. Even if it was thirty years ago, if you get destroyed, that's your fault. I don't care. Whatever. And I'm sure some dirtbags deserve that. I'm sure some sleazeballs deserve that. However, right now we're looking at big, powerful, rich men. And at the same token, it's almost like we're saying people are incapable of being human beings, making the wrong choices or mistakes, and learning from them and growing and progressing, which is what 
we're supposed to be doing with those in society that are savable. All right. That th- this might be an interesting perspective to some of you for me being a correctional professional. Okay. I'm not in corrections to walk around uh, the, the halls of the prison and beat people down with judgment and, you know, the blunt rod of justice every day. I'm not there to beat into people's skulls why they're locked up. I'm not sitting there going, you're locked up because you, you robbed old people, you dirtbag. You're locked up because you raped people, you sleazeball. You're in here because you murdered people. Like, mind you, not all those cases are savable. I think if you raped a bunch of women, there's probably no saving you. And especially if you did it to children, not only is there no saving you, but you don't deserve dignity. But mind you, I'm in a profession where I have to pay dignity, the respect of the fact that they're human beings, to people who don't deserve it. Not everybody has to do this in their lives. Most of you listening, probably when you hear about a dirtbag or a truly evil person going to jail, most of you probably think, oh, that's, you know, take him to jail, throw away the key and let him rot. Now, mind you, reality check. I'm telling you right now, nobody rots in um, in an American prison. It doesn't happen in an American prison. They get commissary, they get hot meals, they get television, they get phone calls, and they get this all on tax paradigm. They're not worried about another bill for the rest of their life. All right? Most of them don't take it seriously anyway. Most of them don't. I know the difference between a man who's taking his sentences, his sentencing, and his charges, and him being in jail. I know the person who's taking it seriously versus the person who's, eh, whatever. And unfortunately, folks, a lot of people in prison are, eh, whatever. That's how they come off to me, at least anyway. That's the that's the personification of, of their inner thoughts and desires of being incarcerated. It's it's whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe some of them are really good at making the bed that they made and lying in it. But you know, I know the, the inmate that's in there that knows what he did, maybe regrets it, but made his bed and is going to deal with the consequences. I know that inmate versus the inmate who wants to be the victim or who's just, for lack of better term, a complete asshole who has no respect for anything. I know the differences. I've been working in a prison for five years. I know the differences. And I know that in there, there are people worth saving, and there's people who you can do nothing for. That being said, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of effort on a person's part to make me want to say, wow, I hope their life is destroyed. So that's a factor in all of this too. That so it's it's amazing though. It's like what, four weeks running now that that is the top story. It's all sexual allegations and stuff. I mean, there's one story about how Donald Trump what was it? He lifted the ban on bringing in stolen ivory from dead elephants or something. So bizarre. 
some of the dumbest things that you'll read are, are is crap like that. It just doesn't make sense to me. Oh man, um, there is some Mueller investigation um, developments going on. Trump believes that uh, Mueller probe is almost done. And Mueller has requested the DOJ to hand over documents related to Jim Comey's firing. But uh, other than that, not not too many developments. That the House is um, the House currently is convening over tax bills right now. It's tax bills that don't seem all that great, and uh, well, a tax bill that doesn't seem all that great. Uh, Rand Paul offering some amendments to the proposed tax bill, but, you know, you figured, I was hoping taxes would be one thing that maybe go the right way, and right now, as of right now, it doesn't look like taxes are going to go the right way. Sadly, not going to go the right way, and every time, every time I look at the taxes taken out of my paycheck, man, I just wonder how I'm supposed to get ahead with all that tax money. Um, One of the other major stories, too, was uh, the, one of the pipelines in, I think it was Dakota, uh, burst and spilled hundreds, hundreds of thousands of gallons of oil. In fact, it was, yes, it was um, a rupture in TransCanada's Keystone system that spilled estimated 210,000 gallons of oil in South Dakota last week. Um, and so n- now the commission voted, what, 3-2 to two to move the project forward for the Keystone XL pipeline. Which, let's see, the approval comes eight months after President Trump issued a presidential permit for the $8 billion, 860 barrel per day project. So that's going on as well. Uh, No updates on that front, though. Really wanted to close out with thoughts on Thanksgiving and the holiday season. See, uh, these are my favorite times of the year that that we come into and part of it is because part of it's because I take the important I, I this is the times where I really do Thanksgiving I reflect uh, a couple of my family members are doing the days of thankfulness thing on on Facebook where each day of November they post something that they're thankful about which I think is really cool I think that when Thanksgiving approaches it really is like it's almost like the reality check for me where everybody grinds through different areas of life. The things that I'm complaining about at the end of the day, I have to take a back seat and realize, you know what, I'm living in the United States of America. I'm living in the first world country, you know, with so many blessings bestowed upon me. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, I you know, my house isn't big. My house is not big at all. Yet Oftentimes, I have to remind myself how many people probably wish that they could have the house that I'm complaining about so much with my roof over my head, my substandard heating that I offset with space heaters and blankets and hoodies. I can grab a cup of warm hot chocolate anytime I want. I can have a cup of coffee anytime I want. I can sit on my back porch and smoke a cigar anytime I want. And it it helps me realize that some of my gripes are are petty. You know, I, I everybody has the right 
and everybody's going to go through stresses and different things. But, you know, I have a car that runs. I have a job that pays me regularly that right now, at least anyway, has no threat of being lost except by my own actions. And I don't do the wrong actions in it. You know, things. these are things to be thankful for. I'm, I'm happily married to a wonderful woman for... Know seven years now, continuing strong in that relationship, we've come a very, very long way over that span of time. To to the degree that we have to look at each other and go, "Wow, has it really been you know that long?" And and it's nuts. I have you know three wonderful dogs, two not wonderful, somewhat annoying. Sometimes I want to kill them, cats. Not really. I don't really want to kill them. Let's let's be honest here. I don't. I love them, but they are they hate each other, and they're a handful. I've got. I I run a podcast and I have followers. You know, yeah. It's not to the. It's not to the degree that I wish it was yet. But you you have to take baby steps when building something like this, especially when it's not your full time endeavor. There's there's a lot to be thankful for, like uh, my family, my family, my my wonderful mother, uh, all my crazy sisters and brothers, all my crazy nieces and nephews. This this is a really reflective time. This is when Thanksgiving rolls around too, and it's a time of gathering, a time to be together with family. Same thing with the holidays, and I can't stomach all the stupid people. And and yes, I don't care. If you're offended by me saying it, but all the stupid people who talk about, like Thanksgiving, oh the the celebration of genocide, and I think I talked about this last year, where it's like, no, all right, modern day connotation of Thanksgiving is getting together, being thankful for people. It's the biggest traveling holiday in the world because it's celebrated worldwide. Like, get over your stupid little notions about it. And get over your own prejudices about it. Really, you're just you're that person that's looking to be angry over any little thing and every little thing, and it probably doesn't give you a happy life. At the end of the day, there's there's lots to be thankful for, and Thanksgiving is always the time that I enjoy it because it kicks off the holiday season, and my mind goes to different places. It goes to being thankful for things. It boosts that inner wanting of helping in me. It takes my mind away from the world. The same thing happened last year where a lot of my mind was taken away from the politics that was going on, away from the wave that was going on. And seemingly it's it's that same way again as we're approaching this year. All this political news is trying to take the forefront, and I'm just starting to not care because it's not as important as other things. It's not not as important as your family, as your friends, as the relationships you're developing, as the person that you're promoting yourself as, it's all it, it should all take a backseat at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving table, you're not having a political discussion. You're not having a rambunctious political debate and argument. You shouldn't be. You should be stuffing your face full of delicious food, which, again, 
you, you talk about being thankful. If you can sit before a Thanksgiving feast with you know with family and friends, there's people who can't do that now for one reason or another. Maybe it's somebody who lost somebody. For instance, I have a colleague who probably I I have my, you know my heart goes out to him right now. My my heart, my thoughts, my prayers. They all go out to him right now because he lost somebody this year in, in in a terrible, tragic way. He lost somebody who I'm I'm absolutely sure was a cornerstone in his life, and it's just it's tragic that he should have to go through this. There's there's probably thousands, if not. Millions of people who are going through something, especially at this time period, the the, the coming together, the the family, the friends, the the camaraderie, the hope, the this time. There's lots of people who go through and struggle, truly struggle with things, and I can't be sitting at the Thanksgiving table, thankful for everything, but not have my thoughts drift to those. Who need that arm of compassion from their friends, from their family, from from whatever means they can get it from. And it really, it really does humble me more than anything. I think the I think the real thing about my joy of the season is the fact that it humbles me so much. And sometimes I need that humbling to to remind myself, you know, hey, number one, your life isn't that bad. You have a lot that you need to be thankful for. You have a lot that you have to pay back, whether it's to God or, or to fate, whatever you want to call it, your fellow man. And so that's what I want everybody to reflect on as Thanksgiving approaches and as the holidays come. Just think about all your family, all your friends, and think about what you have to be thankful for. That being said, guys, as I said at the beginning of this uh, podcast episode, I'm, I'm going to be uh, AFK for a while, away from keyboard, away from computer. I'm going to be, there's going to be two weeks where there will be no audio podcast update. I might, and this is very, very, very might, I might throw out together a little highlight packages or, or things of that nature from last year's Christmas and, and Thanksgiving episodes. I might just leave it... I might... More than likely, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to let it lay low. I'm going to stick to maybe a couple of blog posts, maybe a couple short video snippets. And then after that two weeks, we will probably come back full force with Fritzcast to close out the year with Christmas uh, celebrations, holiday celebrations, end of year reviews, things like that. That's what we're going to be looking at for the end of the year. So I'll tell you guys this now. We're not going to have play out music today. Let's not. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S. Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast is the kind of main social media hub for the Fritzcast podcast right now. 
And uh, my blog is fritzcast.wordpress.com, which you will see more posted up of on my Twitter and Facebook page especially. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be SoundCloud silent for a week or two. And uh, I think it's going to be a well-deserved break for me and for you. And we'll catch up on the events after I come back from vacation. Hopefully refreshed and a little relaxed and a little off edge. And a little more in the right frame of mind. Uh, so thanks guys for listening. Uh, as always, as I always ask, you know, if you have a friend who you think would get a kick out of this, uh, share this to them. Share this to your buddies uh, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, whatever, whatever your social media means is. Share it to the world. I love you all, and I'll see you all in a couple weeks. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your crazy Black Friday shopping because you're nuts and you want to go brave the malls on Black Friday when there's a perfectly good thing called the Internet. Whatever. It's cool. <laughs> I'll see you guys next week. Fritz out. <laughs>